Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Lucky Let Court Podcast, a Tennis Now production sponsored by Tennis Express and a proud member of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. It's me, it's Chris Otto, happy to be with you guys talking tennis on Monday, October 4th. Special guest today, good friend, colleague Richard Osborne, um, friend that I actually toil together in the trenches with at usopen.org. He's also a writer for various tennis outlets. Next week he'll be, for instance, at bmpparibas.com, scribing away for that fine website. And the reason we wanted to speak with Richard is because he was at Laver Cup last weekend in Boston covering the action for lavercup.com. And he's got a lot of thoughts about the excitement surrounding this event and its fourth edition, which went pretty well despite the fact that Roger Federer wasn't able to play. Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic weren't there either, but it was still a spectacular event and well-received by the Boston crowd. So I asked Richard, why is this event doing so well? What makes it special? What were the highlights? And how does it compare maybe with the other team events we see in tennis now, like the Davis Cup and the ATP Cup and the Billie Jean King Fed Cup? So kick back, grab a snack, maybe a beverage of choice, and uh, listen to Richard and I kind of break down what makes the Labor Cup so special over the next 30 minutes. Hope you enjoy it, and we'll see you guys on the other side. Talking um, some Labor Cup today. It's very nice to have you on for, I think, the second or possibly third time in the last few years. How are you? Chris Otto, thanks for having me. I think people should know uh, out there in... um, the webosphere is that you're a good hitter. I've seen Chris Otto on the tennis court now, so it's very impressed. A lot of touch at the net. Yeah, we finally hit up after talking about it for for a long time. We finally got to hit together uh, with another colleague, and it was uh, it was a good time, right? I think you got more pace and more spin on and to your game, but um, but uh, you know, you see me at the net a little more, so that's maybe maybe that's my strong point. But who knows? Well, it was either way, we're having a fun. Deft touch. A deft touch at the net, as all tennis writers say. Uh, it's so much fun to get out there and emulate our favorite pros, isn't it? <laughs> we visualize it in our head and never quite translate on the court. No, not quite. Not quite. I'm not not hitting the 130-mile-per-hour serve and the, and the forehand of Andre Rublev. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> but we can dream. And um, speaking of dreaming, yeah. why, why don't we talk about a dreamy weekend at uh, Labor Cup? And I, and I want to... Um, Prefaces by telling our listeners that you were there on site working for the Labor Cup website and out there in Boston to experience this atmosphere in person, which I think is really cool. And that's why I wanted to have you join me for a short conversation because um, 
I'll be honest, I was pleasantly surprised by what I saw at Labor Cup. The atmosphere and the energy was probably second best just to what we saw at the U.S. Open this year in terms of tennis ambiance. It was an incredible experience, and I wanted to ask you firsthand, what did you experience and what was it like for you? It was just tremendous, I think. you know. And look, I know there's all these opinions out there of, you know, does Russia belong on Team Europe? And, you know, should should it be men and women together? And, uh, you know, is, is it imbalanced talent-wise? And I think, you yeah. know, I, I get all those points. But, but to be there in Boston, you know, I mean, the whole Tony and Roger dreamed this thing up, obviously, uh, you know, modeling it after Ryder Cup and, you know, with the idea of bringing tennis to, you know, traditional NBA, NHL-type towns that don't get a taste for that very often and i'll tell you without the big three there it played off really well you know it helps that medvedev was called coming off the open title but i'd say you know maybe the biggest applause were for him when he came out every time they were introduced he really the stadium really stadium really went for him yeah. it also uh went for uh felix in a, in a big way too you know bright young talent uh, on the verge of the top 10 and breakthrough in New York. And, you know, sadly, uh, in, in a way too, Kyrgios. Here's Kyrgios, who's such a huge Celtics guy playing at the Garden in Boston, this historic arena. And, you know, also along the way announcing that it's probably his last go round there, but the stadium really uh, embraced him too. So the atmosphere was incredible. Here you were, you know, with, all these Celtics banners and Bruins banners overhead and people are just going nuts for tennis. And it, 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 it made me hopeful, you know, that even though Roger did play a big part of it, um, you know, that there's life after the big three eventually, because, uh, you know, you had six guys in the top 10 that are doing great things on the court and the fans certainly appreciated it. Yeah. I think that, that was to me, one of the, one of the key elements of this, fourth edition of the Labor Cup, which had been so successful in in the first three seasons, probably because of Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic, all played a role in, um, in, in the first three editions of Labor Cup. And I'm sitting there wondering, how are they going to pull this off without Roger, without Rafa, <laughs> without Novak? I mean, uh, how are tennis fans in North America, in the United States, going to go see uh, Riley Opelka, Denis Shapovalov, Andre Rublev, are they savvy enough fans? Are they excited enough and hyped enough about the sport to go pack that arena and make an atmosphere that will be incredible? And some, for some reason, they did. And part of me thinks that it might have to do with a little bit of the fact that ticket sales went before we knew what was going to happen with Roger Rafa and that they wouldn't be there, right? And part of right. me thinks that it... it even without Federer, part of me thinks that this event is largely Roger Federer's legacies, legacy, rather, and Roger Federer fans are going to show up whether he plays or not because of the investment that he has made into this event. And, and his appearance, of course, in Boston was just huge. So what do you think about the Federer connection at Labor Cup? And is that one of the big reasons why this event is going to be feasible as part of the tennis and ATP calendar moving forward? I, I do think so, because I think he... he look, it, it's a money thing for him too, you know, for him to get on a plane from Basel and come over and make an appearance, you know, on one hand, you think, God, that's, you know, here's a guy who's coming off yet another knee surgery and he got on a plane and came on crutches, which he did. Yeah. I saw him come into the arena and he limped in and, you know, but there's money at stake, but, but he, 
genuinely wants to be involved. I do believe he wants to be, you know, a team Europe captain at some point. Um, so I think, you know, it's a long-term vision. And I think, you know, mostly, most importantly, and we've talked about this is, do you get the buy-in from the players? Again, there's financial incentive for them, but, but there's also this stamp on them. And you could see it with, with Casper this time that there's a feeling kind of like you've made it, you know, here's Casper gotten to the top 10. That should be, you know, the uh, approval enough, but you could just see it's like, look at me. I'm on this all-star team. You know, I'm picked among these six guys to come play and they take that stuff seriously. And, and, you know, look, I I was standing on the side of the court with Tony Gottsick and I said, look, I was one of the early skeptics, you know, when you guys started this thing the first time in 2017. And I thought does tennis really need yet another hit and giggle event, you know, that we don't know what it means. And, you know, are the guys going to care? And all you needed to see was, you know, (laughs) Roger leaning over the bench, whispering into Nadal's ear and then playing doubles and Kyrgios jumping in Jack sock to, to realize that it was something pretty special. And so I, I don't see any reason why that won't continue. And I know there's some doubters out there that will say, you know, how many more times can team world get, <laughs> get beat. Yeah. But I think, uh, you know, Isner really captured it when he was in the presser at the end. Um, and here they were showing, Team Europe down on the court celebrating, but Isner said, "You know, we gave it our best. I think in, in nine matches, there were six labor breakers, as they call them. So, yep. just the setup of that event, the way they set it up, it really can turn. You know, yes, it was fourteen to one, but things can change pretty quick. And, and what Isner said, they really, <laughs> yeah, fourteen to one. But you know, as as Isner said, you know that underdog role." is really a special thing. Now, nobody wants to play the Washington generals to the Harlem Globetrotters and get their butt kicked every time. But there is something to be said for playing the underdog and having the stadium, which was the case in Boston, really backing the underdog. And, you know, when, when the day comes and they do win, it's going to be pretty special. It will be cool. Because, yeah, yeah, because Europe's not, you know, those are young guys. They're not, they're not going anywhere. They want to stay undefeated. Yeah, and they, I think that's one of the interesting – you and I have chatted about this already. We agree uh, um, that it's nice to see Team World getting kind of dominated in a way because I think a lot of us here in North America, we're rooting hard for our American players. We want to see Sebastian Corda, Jensen Brooksby. We want to see the Canadians, Shapovalov and Ojeali seem improve. And I think when you match them up and you, you look at a Denis Shapovalov getting absolutely smoked by Daniel Medvedev, which he oh, did, which bagel. he did. <laughs> and I think that had to be a uh, kind of an eye-opening moment for him, maybe thinking like, okay, we're not as good as these guys. And I think the team as a whole probably recognizes that fact. And I hope that they use it as incentive to improve. I mean, who knows? But, but I, think... I, I do think, I think that's a good call. I think certainly Felix, you, you could see the wheels turning. And I do believe that, you know, yes, it feels like he's been around for a long time, but he's young. He's 21 and he's number 11 in the world. I, he's, hell bent on improving and he's got Tony in his camp now. And I do think he'll get motivated from those type of moments, just like you're saying. Yeah. It's funny that we're talking about these matches as being important because 
like you said, it's. Uh, I want to ask you to make a comparison. You look at the Davis Cup, you look at the Fed Cup, maybe Hopman Cup, some other events that are also team events that are kind of not, don't seem to have the same electricity or maybe are heading in different directions as the Labor Cup, where the, the Labor Cup is kind of picking up steam, it almost seems like. Um, how do you compare? Yeah, I thought the... I, thought the, well, I was going to ask, thought, how do you, you know, compare the I two? Thought the, I thought the ATP Cup played off pretty well and i wasn't sure oh, yeah. how that was going to go either and there and there's some similar feel to that the guys on the side of the court jumping up and down um you know there's something about this event too that is you know just says premium you've got mercedes and credit swiss and you've got Federer shoe brand on and you know all this kind of money coming together and everything is done so first class all the events that we we're able to see around Boston the photo shoots and the Boston Fine Arts Museum Gala and, you know, strolling around Fenway Park with John McEnroe. I mean, they they go all out, you know, and they, they do it for the legacy of, of labor, of course. But yeah. there is something special. Now, of course, Davis Cup is its own thing. It just happens to be in flux at the moment kind of nobody's sure how it's going to play off you know if they're changing the format i mean the whole beauty of that was always you were going to be on somebody's home turf you know going up against the fans on a on a surface maybe you weren't happy about and that that brought its own magic but this this somehow brings <laughs> brings that magic too it's inc- you know you just have these guys that are usually rivals all year long you know, they're trying to kick each other's butts. And for a week, they're hanging out in the hotel and going to meals and playing pranks on each other. I mean, yeah. the Team Europe final presser after they won was just a scene. You know, they had already dipped into the champagne quite a bit. And <laughs> it, it turned out that Rublev of all guys was like the prankster, jokester guy on the team. And they were just having a blast up there. And it, it's fun to see. It's genuine stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I guess it's hard to compare it even to Davis Cup, um, Hopman Cup, ATP Cup. Those events all seem to trend, be trending maybe in the wrong direction. I just feel like Labor Cup has really hit on something special. And I guess we have to go back to the fact that it's a Federer kind of Federer created event. And I think that his legions of fans are, are helping move this event forward. But you're right. You hit on something really cool, which is that these rivals come together in a, in a really cool way where you see guys that are normally, you know, at each other's throats on tour, like Zverev and Tsitsipas on the same team. It's kind of interesting. And they all seem to relish the experience and what they can learn from each other. A guy like Cam Nori, who I was talking to this week and via zoom press conference in San Diego was just like, couldn't say enough about how important that experience was for him to get to hang out with guys like Rublev, to get to practice with them, to get to pick their brains and watch them analyze these matches courtside. So that's where a lot of the player buy-in must come in. Like a guy like Kasper Ruud, Cam Nori, they must be thrilled as heck to kind of sit side by side with Medvedev and just like, I don't know, just have it, just really dig into the sport. But for whatever reason, this event really does seem to be working. Yeah, and I think, you know, gosh, we've talked a lot about mental health in the sport this this past year, year and a half. And I, I do feel like that almost plays into it, too. It's this nice kind of like, even though they're intense on the court, there's sort of a downshift of like, I don't have to <laughs> hate these guys for a week. You know, we can actually let go and have fun. When they were introducing each other the night of the gala, I mean, it was just 
you know, they came up with the most ridiculous things. And it mm. was just so funny to see, you know, Diego Schwartzman getting up there, standing side by side with Isner and Opelka saying yeah. it's his brothers and they're looking for his mother. You've seen all this <laughs> stuff on Twitter, but there, there is a real sort of, I don't know, like a, a letting go of some of the, of the solo angst they must feel, you know, the rest of the calendar through. Mm. So, uh, you know, I think that that all plays into making it, making it special. What did you think of the fan base out there? I mean, just generally from when you were in the arena looking around, was it fully packed? I didn't actually look at the attendance numbers. And, and do you think it was? It was pretty good. It wasn't. Was it a North American crowd or was it an international crowd, do you think? It felt pretty, felt pretty Boston to me. Did it? To be honest with you, yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, and this has happened at Davis Cup, too, when you get into a final day dead rubber and suddenly, you know, the air comes out of it a little bit. And, of course, that happened this time. If you buy a Sunday ticket and really you only have one match, yeah, which is what happened with Sverev and Rublev. But, um, you know, that that's maybe a tougher ticket. But if you really, you know, if you look at the at Friday and Saturday with all these matches coming down to labor breakers, it's it's pretty good stuff. And I, you know, that's a savvy town too. I mean, there was a big tie-in with Labor going out to the Longwood Cricket Club, um, where one of his trophies he had won was actually melted in. I don't know if you followed that at all, but one of his old trophies from the '60s was melted into the Labor Cup trophy itself. So that was, was a cool. chance for for Rod, Rod to revisit this, you know, special place where all the great players used to play on the grass out there. So. I mean, I think Boston's a pretty good spot for tennis. But, you know, it went well in Chicago. It went well in Geneva. It went well in Prague, too. And I'm sure next year in London, uh, it'll be the same thing. Mm -hmm. And that's another nice option that they get to rove around and pick the city. And they don't get stuck, you know, having to pick a city that might be a dud. They really can put some thought into it and make it work that way, which I think is very cool. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Absolutely. You know, here's another thing, because now I'm just thinking abstractly, but one of the things to have Borg sitting in front of us all week that was amazing, and he is not the type of guy to go there as much as I wanted him to, but it was 40 years to the month that he walked out of the stadium in New York after losing to McEnroe in the U.S. Open final 1981. And, you know, walked out, skipped the ceremony, skipped press, got in a Volvo, went to the airport and was done with the sport at 25. Crazy. And here he was four decades later to the month, which I just found so incredible, just really in some ways probably enjoying the sport that more than he ever did when he was on his own. Mm-hmm. I know. I mean, I know he had a good time in the 70s and 80s, yeah. but he was able to just you know, I think maybe let go of a lot of that 
again, you know, it's a sport where you're alone and here he is with this team of guys and everybody's patting each other in the back and they're all sipping champagne out of the labor cup. And I think, you know, he, he's, he's seemed like a pretty happy guy now. And I think that wasn't always the case when he was playing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's nice to, I think that's another thing they've done probably better than these other events is bridge the gap between generations. And I guess that was the vision that Federer and Tony Godzik had to bring Borg and McEnroe in. I mean, let's face it. These two guys are, are still huge draws and it makes so much sense to capitalize on their star power, which still very much exists. And I think having, having it go from Laver to McEnroe and Borg and then to Federer and then to this current generation of the Medvedevs and the Tsitsipas is like, it, it's really something for everybody. Absolutely. And I do hope they stick around because you do catch glimpses of Johnny Mac, you know, on the bench when things aren't going well, <laughs> You do, and he kidded about it. He said, oh, you know, my job may be on the line and all that, but, you know, you hope he doesn't just suddenly say, hey, I think it's time to, to hand off to somebody else. You know, not that that would be the end of the world, but there is something, like you said, to have it go, you know, to labor, to Borg McEnroe, which is one of the great rivalries in the sport. Yeah. And, and you know, it's just still so much fun to see those guys, you know, now with their white hair and think, you know, think of them in their headbands and the fila and all that stuff back in the day. Yeah. But it's, you know, and you heard Opelka and Isner, those guys talk about Macron. they love him. They really do. They love that guy. Yeah. And, and Macron's, you know, c can rub people the wrong way, but not those guys. Yeah. They, they all, they all want to play for him. So hopefully I think, you know, that continues years to come yeah it would be nice i mean but there's an there's an ample um list of names that would also sub in pretty nicely i mean think about it if you get an agassi out there or you know there there are a lot of big names that could be brought in to, to really sure. keep, keep things moving along but yeah for it they, what they've done with that is just cool but i wanted to get your thoughts richard on um the tennis since you were there firsthand and got to see some of these younger generation of players firsthand, I know you were pretty impressed with Andre Rublev. What are your What are your overall thoughts on on some of the tennis you saw? What are some of the things that really stick with you? Uh, Rublev MVP, I would say, and a hell of a doubles player for a guy. I mean, we saw the Olympic results, but he basically said that you know he doesn't play doubles, and he looked it was incredible. It was like a clinic. To see him out there so anyway i'd say mvp for him <laughs> he's not just a big forehand um i'd say one of the surprises and, and this came from himself was medvedev taking you know a week and a half off after the open not hitting the ball at, at all i think he was down in miami sitting on the beach and he says when that happened usually he comes back and he's really rusty and things don't go well but you saw you saw what he did to to Schaffer when he got back out on the court. And I think that's going to only help him confidence wise to know that he can do that too now. Right. You know, you can take a few days away from the court and still come back and play like that. He's, he's something else. That's and, nice and again, to see the way, yeah, the, the way the fans embraced him too, I thought was incredible. If you think, you know, go back to 2019 and, and the things that happened between him and the crowd in New York and to think now, how much people have embraced him is is kind of cool, yeah. and you know we we saw Zverev too, and you know what he did at the Olympics, and he plays big time tennis, and yeah. you know is in a good way right now. I think you know 
you know, I, I look at who knows now. Isner's 36. It's a good format for him, but who knows? Does, does he play next time? You know, I think Opelka is is rising. I think Felix and, and Chapo are probably going to be there, and for good reason. I, I'm just kind of interested. You mentioned the names before, but, you know, will there be a guy like Jensen Brooksby or Brandon Nakashima or, you know, just TFO come back into it and just, you know, yes. Fritz get another chance or, or Lloyd Harris, you know, who was there as, as an extra, you know, you know, does, does Kirio step down and demon hour come in? Yeah. Who knows? You know, there's some Tommy Paul, there, there's some interesting names, you know, are those guys Vera and Medvedev and Tsitsipas? No, but, you know, some of them are on the upswing, and and it could get interesting. Yes, I think you know, it might take some time for the, a lot of the names you mentioned, but it would be it would be sure would be nice if. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, every name you mentioned, I'm kind of like. It, take some time. it might take some time. I mean, Corda, you're thinking Sebastian Corda has a really bright future. Maybe top, he's a top five type of talent, which would be an amazing yeah. thing for American men's tennis. Something we have not seen in quite some time since yeah. Andy Roddick. But it, it just doesn't appear to be quite ready yet, though his progresses, progression has been rather rapid. It could be next year. It could be the year after. You think he's going to have an impact on this um, on this event at some point. Yeah, Demonora would be fun to have. Great personality, great competitor. Yeah. it's um, You just wonder maybe like someone like a Yannick Sinner will suddenly like move to Los Angeles and play for the U.S. Uh, <laughs> probably not happening. I don't know. <laughs> we could dream about that. I, I, I will say the curious thing, as always, he's, you know, he's such a guy that divides opinions, but, you know, I think, and Patrick even said this, he didn't even know, you know, that there was a health situation with his mother back home. And, yeah. um, but, you know, I, I was really taken aback by how much he gave the impression that, you know, he could be stepping back from the sport. I don't know if that was just a confidence thing saying, Oh, I'm ranked ni- number 95. I don't hit the ball through the court. Like I used to, yeah. or, or, you know, you know, that could all change too. I mean, he's still young and, but I'll tell you, he's, he is the heart and soul. And I wrote that, you know, still of that event for team world. Uh, he just has a way of getting people riled up. And he, you know, he said before it's his, favorite week of the year and in a way i feel like it re- really be a shame to to lose him but i know he's in a funky space right now yeah he's pretty confident that he wasn't going to be playing again next year i don't know if he because he thinks he won't be able to get his ranking back up which he's at 97 right now that's difficult but he could still be a captain's pick yeah. if he's but i think the the hard part about curios is just facing the fact that his level just had, hasn't been there he's 26 years old he just hasn't played much he just hasn't really found any kind of a groove yeah good match here and there this year we saw from him i think um you know like his first in australia little yeah a little bit there was fun and and a little bit at wimbledon but you know he was out of that tournament pretty quickly with an injury also so it is really sad and frustrating that he might not choose to stick around and be a part of the sport but i guess that's yeah that's his own decision. and look i i'd kill to hit the ball like he does but there was i think a time when you went to wash him and you were like taken aback by that wristy forehead you know the way it just he could blow people off the court with it when he wanted to yeah and i felt like in boston of course they were playing on a on a court that unfortunately for team world was was much slower than i think that they yeah would have wanted, but his, you know, the ball just didn't fly through the court 
off his racket like like it used to. And maybe he get I, I don't know. Maybe he gets back there. Maybe he gets into tip top shape and and he, and he's there again. But there was that feeling of like, boy, he just he couldn't hit through anybody. The, you know, the the forehand that you were most taken by was mm-hmm. was Rublev again. Yeah. But you know, personally, you know, and I know everybody again has different opinions on Nick, but personally, I hope he's still involved in the sport. Yeah, I just it doesn't seem like he's going to be. I'm, I, yeah, that's my that's what I'm taking away from what he's been t- saying and doing over the last year, year and a half. Maybe it's just the pandemic. Maybe maybe he'll have a good off season. He, he decided to cut his season short already, and maybe he comes back next year with kind of a thought like, well, maybe I do have a few things that I want to prove. Yeah, let's hope. I mean, you know. Yeah, let's hope for it. There's plenty other, you know. There's plenty other great players. If he if he doesn't want to be there, and that's that's his decision, it'll be disappointing. But there'll be other players, and I can name one from Australia actually that we haven't quite seen emerge yet. But I think he's going to emerge. Alexei Popperin. That guy's got he's got some game. That's a good. I have my scribbled list here. <laughs> you do partially, which you laughed at a minute ago, but <laughs> yeah, I did. But Lloyd, I, I mean, with Lloyd and all these guys, but. Exactly, Popper, and I think that's a good. Call. He's 22. Yeah, he's very talented. I mean, he's 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 young too. I can't quite figure out his coaching situation because it seems like he's working with a couple of different people, right? We both actually saw that at the Open, right? Yeah. Because he's working with. Um, wait, who is who's the coach that we chatted with at the Open from he, the ATP? He went on a trial with Craig O'Shaughnessy, the analytics expert. Yeah, that's which, it. Which I thought was an interesting call, and I think it'll be, it inevitably, whether it lasts a long time or not, will help him understand more about what, how he needs to shape his game and, and structure the points, which I think will probably be huge for a guy like him with the weapons to have points and matches on, on his racket. So that could be a nice development. Um, but, yeah, we'll see with him. I mean... That list that we have, I mean, the, the frustrating thing, and I'll, I'll ask you this question, I'll segue it by just ranting for 20 seconds. The frustrating thing that I see in <laughs> Labor Cup is that the United States and Australia are not really helping at all in terms of playing against these and, European which players. Which is so ironic. You know, look at the history of the sport, right? Yeah. I mean, those are the two nations. They're not helping right? at Duke all. Duke and Mo and Laver and all those great, you know. And then, of course, our glory days that lasted so long. And yeah, now it's Canada at the top. It's Canada. We're relying on Canada for the future of the of, of the <laughs> team are. world. And as I look down the rankings, there's so much. It really does kind of um, heighten or bring my attention to the glaring um, inequities between European tennis and the rest of the world, because really the talent is in Europe right now. And it's a really, it's a serious trend and labor cup makes you realize that. But as we said, I'm excited that the world can possibly or potentially like look forward to, to becoming relevant in this competition. And that would be a nice trend. Again, absolutely. And I think, you know, again, Isner's comment about the underdog role being, something special and it is kind of yes we we know i mean look at the history the last whatever 66 67 slams i mean dominated by by european guys and that's just that's the lay of the land i don't think we're going to rewrite the maps or anything so i think you know it's the future will tell but i do think whether it's corda or whoever it is brooksby you know i do think guys will will come up maybe it won't happen that fast but uh you know Hopefully some of those guys sneak through eventually and the, and the balance changes a little bit. But yeah. I think, you know, again, credit to 
Godsick and Federer for setting up the point system, the you know, the one point day one, two points day two, and three points day three that we saw what happened, you know, the last time when it came down to Roundage there of thirteen eleven was the score of the last Labor Cup. And so yeah. things things can change on can change on the quick. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um Kane Ishikori is a guy who, you know, Japan could help, South America, like Argent- <sighs> Argentina could help. Where's our next Vilas? Obviously, I dealt- thought about Nishikori. I thought if he could just stay healthy. I mean, my God, to think that he hasn't played into this is sort of sad. Yeah, it is a little bit. But but the fact that we're having a 30-minute discussion about and, and, and an intriguing one about the potential for Team World getting back into this competition means that Labor Cup has had an effect on us, and we do like it. And after all, it's, it's just three days of every year. It doesn't demand like a crazy investment in terms of time wise you just flip on your television on friday leave it on through sunday and you get this experience which i think is part of the charm of it maybe that it is a little bit less a little bit more laid back than than the other team competitions i don't know yeah there is just i think from from year one and from 2017 on it's been a compelling watch so hopefully you know that you know, another thing for Team World is next time it comes back to the U.S. because this was Johnny Mac's thought was I'm going to bring in Isner, you know, and Opelka, and if they're having good serving days, they can hit anybody off the court. Well, unfortunately, the court was just so slow. Yeah, it's a strange one. You know, and and you know how that whole game works in Davis Cup, where you know you're always trying to pick the right surface that the visitors aren't going to play well on. So I think you know if Johnny Mac had maybe had more input, he would have said, make sure it's a. <laughs> That's a super fast court. Not not that the Europeans can't play well on that too, but it, it might have given you know Isner and Opelka a little more of a chance with the serves they have. Mm-hmm. What if they played it on hardwood, just left the basketball court out there? You think that Team World would have had a shot? <laughs> oh, they should have played on the parquet floor. That would have been the way to go. <laughs> oh, Kyrios would have loved that. Yeah, I guess it. The bottom line, though, I'll let you finish finish us off, um, Richard. Bottom line, this event, um, it's a keeper. In 10 years from now, we're still going to be talking Labor Cup. It's going to have even more of a storied tradition than it already is. What's your take on that? Look, I'm not one to predict the future, but, you know, I'm sure. Look, here, here's an example. My uh, The reason that I grew up a Green Bay Packers fan growing up in Connecticut, which makes no sense, mm-hmm. is that my parents went to the first Super Bowl in LA hmm. and I think it was 1967 when the Packers won with Bart Starr, etc. Anyway, I always remember my dad saying that the, at the time it felt like a one-off. It felt like a, a promotional thing and nobody thought it would laugh. And if you laughed, and if you look at the photos of the Coliseum, I think it was at the Coliseum, um, you know, the stadium was half empty. Nobody really thought it would take off. And I think you have to kind of, think that way when you look at labor cup too we don't know there'll probably be people that say oh this thing won't last it'll go a couple of years and hmm. it'll fade off but who knows it may become Ryder cup yeah for tennis which is you know what they want and 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 maybe in 10 15 years we will look back and it'll be so established by then yep. and it'll be the thing that that all these guys want to be a part of i think it's going to be a success because i think that people are going to move on, and we've seen that already, that uh, tennis, a grand slam without the big three is kind of possible, and that'll be the way of the future mm. for the tour-level tennis, but I think people will never forget this era of greats, and I feel like Federer leading the Labor Cup 
And I'm sure he's going to pull Rafa into the mix and have him play a role at some point and just be, be a part of it. And probably Novak too. I think that people are, it's going to find it irresistible not to want to reconnect in that nostalgic type of way. I think that's, what's going to keep yeah, it going that's a, strong. That's a good point. That That's a good point. You know, let's say those guys are done and who knows what the slam count will be there, but you know, that one day they'll be leaning over the bench and, still in the game, still giving fans a chance to come see them, even if it's in a captain's role. That's yeah. a that's a really good call. Yeah, I mean, to me, I think that you can make the argument that 10 years from now, those names of the big three might still be more well-known than, than the names of the current players, whoever they are, and however much success the Medvedevs and Sitsipasas of the world have had. Um, Interesting. Not that that's a bad thing, really, because I think the heights that we've reached in this generation will probably look back on 10, 20, 30 years and say, wow, oh, that we peaked. Absolutely. Market absolutely. Top. Just a, a golden era that I think is only good for the sport. Yep. I think, it, you know, it, it only helps the sport. Let's I always bring this up, but let's not forget Sampras retiring in 2003. It took him a year to, to make it official. But when he left, right, 14 slams, nobody's going to touch this. Nobody. Yeah. That's what most people thought. I certainly did. No one, you know, no one's coming close to that number. And then to get three guys in basically the same generation all surpass it. Yeah. Just incredible. But I think that's going to only help the sport even when they're off the court. I think, like you say, we'll be talking about that for, for decades. Yeah, because the history of tennis has become so much richer. And that's a beautiful thing. And, and even though Federer might be the only person who will say, yeah, our records will probably be broken. I think he said that in a, in a press conference at Labor Cup, right? Somebody could probably get to 20 yeah. or whatever. Um, yeah. I think most of us are saying the same exact thing that we said when Sampras retired, which is no way in hell <laughs> yeah. is another male player going to get anywhere near 20 Grand Slams. As if we know, right? Right. You know, it's like, we don't know. We never will. Somebody yeah. will probably come along, but it certainly doesn't seem possible to have three at the same time. Yeah. Probably not. Good stuff, Richard. I'm glad you came on. And um, I want to tell my listeners to keep an eye out for you because you're getting on a plane and going down to the BMP Paribas Open tomorrow. What are you going to be doing down there? Gee, I'm just finding out what the desert's like in October because it's usually March. It so, seems so strange to be be going down there in October. But, uh, you know, I'm excited. It's it's. I don't have to tell you what that tournament is like and just something – about the air down there and the practice courts and the whole, you know, just the whole feel of that, that tournament is special. So, and I, and I, uh, you know, after covering the U S open from 3000 miles away, I'm just happy to be, you know, back seeing live in-person tennis again. So looking right. forward to it. So you'll be doing it for BMP Paribasopen.com, right? Yes. Lots of uh, page views, please. That's good. Well, we'll be checking your stuff out, and it'll be an interesting year because, um, I mean, having it in October is strange, but what is cool about it is that the races to uh, Guadalajara and Turin are really heating up, so there'll be some interesting implications with uh, important matches that wouldn't have normally been as important maybe over the course of the next two weeks. I think draws are coming out. I think the women's draw comes out in a couple of hours, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yeah, yeah, and then men uh, tomorrow, so... Excellent. So, yeah, it'll be be wide open. So yeah, it's going to be fun. Good so man. we'll be we'll be reading, we'll be checking in on you, and enjoy your time down there. And thanks for chatting with me about Labor Cup, and I hope we get to chat soon on um, on the the podcast format, and also play Sounds some tennis good. when you get back. Awesome. I look forward to it. Thanks for having me on, Chris. Thank you, Richard. This edition of the Lucky Let Cord Podcast is a wrap. 
Special thanks to Richard Osborne for joining us. You guys can find him on Twitter at R.W. Osborne. You can also find him for the next two weeks at the BMPParibas.com website. He'll be covering Indian Wells live and in person. You guys can find Tennis Now on social media at Facebook.com slash Tennis Now and also on Twitter at Tennis underscore Now. We're also on Instagram. And perhaps most importantly, we'd love it if you rate and review, subscribe to this podcast. Just go into Apple Podcasts, type in Lucky Let Cord Podcast, and voila, you can check out our ever-growing list and volume of podcast episodes. I think we're at 7,466,228 now. Hope you guys are enjoying it. Hope you guys enjoy the day. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.